No one expects the Major Spoilers podcast. <laughs> Our chief weapon is fear. Fear and surprise. Surprise, fear, and a ruthless devotion to stupid continuity. Damn. Let's come in again. <laughs> I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and we will go into detail about the topics we discuss, so if you haven't read, listened to, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pill, put your helmet on, because we've got a look at the future, a blast from the past, a pregnant pause from the present, and a reason to not mourn a lost old friend. Rodrigo wrestles with dragons, Stephen opens his umbrella, and Matthew has three jobs and doesn't have the slightest idea what's going on. Take calls! Saturn girl, Saturn girl, I don't, I don't, we want information, but you're not going to get it here. You might get a laugh or two. And if you follow what I'm talking about, I suggest serious therapy. But nonetheless, the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Yaris. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to, to episode 60, session 60, issue 60. Of the Major Spoilers podcast. I think we should call them issues. Because I, I like issues. Issues. We do is have awesome. plenty of those. Yes, uh, plenty, ah. plenty. Hey, thanks everybody for listening all of last week during our Thanksgiving extravaganza, where we Woo! opened the vault and unleashed, what, about a dozen? No, ten. Yeah. Uh, ten episodes <laughs> of the Lost Fear, Major Spoilers. surprise, no, ten! <laughs> <laughs> Crap cakes. Start oh. over. Three, two, one. Hello, I'm Matthew. I'm yours. Um, so I'm thanks, everybody, for listening to those. Uh, we enjoy recording. We record so much stuff. The minute that we sit down, the record button gets hit, and uh, you never know what what and when and where these episodes are going to show it, it up. It does kind of take us forever to start into the show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Here we are recording 57 minutes now, and we're just starting into the show. So. <laughs> but the thing that fascinates me about those, those were great because they really showed... Maybe a little too much about us. Eh, you know. I, I felt like there was a lot of self-disclosure there mm. that maybe I should have put I the brakes to, on. I tried to self-censor as, as much as possible. Yeah, I'm going to need you to bleep every time I say something <laughs> stupid. So it's yeah, be The whole episode would be nothing but... Submariner. John Burns in Morse code. Yeah. I'm glad everybody enjoyed these. Rodrigo and I actually sat down and we recorded some very special episodes coming out in Christmas. We're not going to be able to do all of them. We did, did Blossom lose her virginity yes. in our yeah. very special, Again. Very special, very special major spoilers podcast? Yes, and I think people might get a kick out of them. Uh, let me just, what, should we give them a hint? Nah. Okay, you might want to get your anime DVDs out of the closet. Nah. Or if you haven't bought any, you might want to go out and buy the best one of all time, uh, because we're going to be talking about those for a whole week. The, the best clean one Akira? of all time. No, you can't talk about that for an entire week. I don't know, the movie took like nine years to watch. It is a long movie. <laughs> it is a long movie. Tetsuo! <laughs> Speaking of movies. Hammer and he was still saying, ah! <laughs> Speaking of movies, do you guys check out this trailer that I posted online this week? It's called Thor at the Bus Stop. And it's not, it's not based on Marvel's Thor. Mm -hmm. It's based on the Norse god uh, Thor, who right. figures out that he's going to die this day. 
So he spends the day wandering around this little suburb of Las, uh, Las Vegas and encounters people. It's, a, it's an independent film. Mm-hmm. And, and I forget who the girl's name is that is doing it. Uh, let me find it here really quick. Uh, but it is a real film. It's not just a trailer. I contacted her the other day, and uh, she was the director of photography, Mei Mei Long, uh, or Luong. Um, Thor at the Bus Stop is right now in post-production, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in the indie circuit probably in 2009. And I saw this trailer, and I just loved it. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Rodrigo? It looks really good. I, I'd definitely watch it. It's got the quirkiness that you would expect from kind of, you know, this Norse god walking around suddenly yeah uh but it's also seems like it's got maybe a little bit of heart yeah to it as well and it doesn't look like it's so over the top you know played for laughs kind of thing it looks like there's a message that is going to try to get get at and you know yeah. it's going to be a fun ride along the way everybody's connected kind of thing mm-hmm. did you ever see uh the the Tao of steve no did you ever see that one? that's a really good one you should see that too kind of that's kind of the vibe that i got mm-hmm. from this as well with donald oak yes from uh yes from uh you know the my Life in Hell, or whatever it is. I, I don't know what the name of the show is. I remember him from um, the comic book movie. Yes. I think it was yes. comic book superheroes. Yes. Where he, he and Carrie Elways are arguing over the first appearance of Wonder Woman as one of them is bleeding to death from a gunshot wound. I, I was trying that. to think of the name of that film the other day, comic book superheroes, because I've got it somewhere in my collection, and I wanted to pull it out and watch it again. Hmm. But I couldn't think of the name of it. So uh, We had a lot of... Listener feedback after this last week that we were gone, but of course we were with you with those 10 episodes. Uh, so it's just some of the f- listener feedback. Here we have one from Robbie. He says, hi, Stephen. Hope you and the MJ team, I think he means the MS team, had a good holiday. I love the episode where you guys discussed Doctor Who. That would have been Matthew and I discussing Doctor Who. It gave me many good flashbacks to when I watched it during the Tom Baker reruns. I was born in 1980. Oh, you young kids these days. Uphill both ways. I just dawned, it just dawned on me that there's a Doctor Who reference in World of Warcraft. If you go to Fizzcrack Airstrip in Borean Tundra, which I haven't been to, you can get a quest where you use the ultrasonic screwdriver to fix some broken robots. I thought you might be interested in this little Easter egg. As usual, I love the show. Tell all my friends about it every week. I love comics again. Thanks to you and your podcast, Rob. Now, I actually went to Fizzcrack Airstrip... Did you really? I got, real, I got a real bad case of the fizz crack. And a, <laughs> a little, little penicillin cleared that right up for me, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I played uh, World of Warcraft for about a week after the new uh, patch Wrath. came out. Yeah, the Wrath of the Lich King, King came out. And I have just been too busy or too sick or too busy being sick to uh, get back in there. So I haven't been out to this, but I, I will check it out, Rob. Uh, we also have another one. This one, I think, Matthew, is probably you are going to answer it best. Okay. Uh, it says, hi, I'm looking to apply to work at my local comic book shop. How should I go about this? Is there anything that you can recommend? Thanks. Long live the memory of Captain America. Love the podcast. That is from Sam. Now, Matthew, you work at a local comic book shop. I have off and on for almost a decade now. And I would say I have three pieces of advice for Sam. First and foremost, make sure you're able to talk to people. Um, there, there are going to be people who come in. Specifically, you'll get parents, moms, girlfriends, grandmothers, grandfathers, people who don't get it. And you're going to have to speak to a customer who may not understand what it's all about. So you want to make sure that you can interface with people, especially strangers, in a way that's at least professional or pleasant. You want to be able to say please and thank you. And I always sir and ma'am, but I was raised that way by my grandmother. 
My second piece of advice would be don't expect to get rich because working in a comic book store, especially in today's economy, it's retail. Not only that, it's a retail niche market. Mm -hmm. I do it for love. Um, Honestly, well, I do it for three reasons. One, (laughs) that discount is, is really nice. Well, the discount is nice. That's not my primary reason. The primary reason I do it is I like having a great store. I like going in and being able to look at the back issue bins or look at the trade paperback racks and know that it's a great store. And I like being able to you know, contribute to making my local store successful, clean, and well-organized. Mm-hmm. And my third piece of advice, and this is the one that's really, really, really important – and I'm not, you know, I'm not making this out of cruelty, and I'm not making this out of rudeness because I am as guilty as, as anybody else. Make sure your hygiene is up to snuff when you walk in the door to work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know, and it, it's difficult, and it's one of those things that you never actually want to talk about. But when you're in a store location and you're working in retail, it's not the same as just, you know, wandering in. You know, you, you just came from another job, or you just came from, you know someplace and you've been skateboarding or doing whatever it is you do you know treat it like a job treat it as something that you're going to do as a profession and i think you'll be fine if you've if you've got the understanding and you can talk to people i think you can be successful i actually when i when i applied i gave them my full resume and the only change that i made was under skills i put can name the members of the legion of superheroes their home planets and real names in joining order (laughs) And during the interview, they made me do it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. We won't make you do it here, Matthew, but probably in a future episode. Cosmic going. Boy, a.k.a. Rock <laughs> Crit of the Planet. Now, what Bray. about appearance? Should this uh, person go in with uh, khakis and a polo, full suit, shorts and a uh, FU t-shirt? What, what should he be wearing? My, my expectation is always when you go into a job, you should fit in. So what I would do, if you're looking at a specific comic store, see what the guys who work there, specifically the managerial staff wears. If they're doing khakis and a polo, khakis and a polo are okay. If they're doing shirt sleeves and a tie, you may want to take a step up and go to the tie. As far as retail goes, you're probably going to be in a polo shirt. If you're lucky, a polo shirt with a little logo on it. I, w- I would um, say, I would say take, a, take a step up. Because you know you're you're bound to walk yeah. in there and you'll see guys in t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Take a step. If you see guys in t-shirts, wear a polo shirt. If yeah. you see guys in polo shirts, you might want to wear a button-up shirt without a tie. Yeah. If you guys see in shirts and ties, you're going to a classy, classy comic store. And you should show up in a tuxedo. Don't don't show up in uh, jeans and a Hawaiian shirt. Same. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. And I mean, if you if you go to my store, the manager Jim will be wearing usually a Green Lantern T-shirt and a Superman pullover. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's not as though you're so don't probably go in going wearing to... anything Marvel <laughs> <laughs> or prepared hey. to do battle. <laughs> Fight. All right, Bro. Sam, hopefully that information will help you along uh, and get your, your job at your local comic book shop. Uh, Sean writes in and says, I was looking to start reading up on the history of comic books. We spent an entire episode not too long ago talking about comics people should read mm-hmm. uh, to get into comics, but he wants to know about the history of comics. I'm a casual reader with an interest in Marvel D- and DC, and I'm slowly spreading into the smaller publishers. Right now I'm reading Fables in the Trades and would like to start on Invincible. I was wondering if you had any suggestions for a book on the history of comics, maybe something that it's not too heavy, but gives me an idea uh, of how they've evolved with their time, their importance to pop culture, and so on. Any suggestions would be great. Thank you, Sean. P.S. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. See, if you people, if you want to uh, uh, have your feedback read on the show, <laughs> you know, love the podcast. Love your show. You guys keep up the good work. That's it. That's a sure end right there. 
pat us on the head, and we'll talk about you for a week. Yeah. Rodrigo, go. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, what's a book about the history of comics that you would recommend? You um, had a good suggestion the yeah, other day. We've, we've talked before about um, Understanding Comics, which is it, itself a comic book. Uh, understanding Comics kind of breaks down a lot of the... A lot of the history of comics, right? Talks it, about it, how they evolve from hieroglyphics and right. Into... It you know it's kind of the pretentious history of comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, it's not the it's not necessarily the straight up. This is this was the first comic, like to be recognized as such, and then from there on out. But it has a lot of places where you can start looking. Definitely right. Yeah, because and especially if you look at the pyramid, uh, yeah. you'll see a great example, and you can find that pyramid image online. Just do a search for Scott McCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just do a search for Scott McCloud pyramid, and you'll find the image. Yeah, uh, but they've got everything in there from the Yellow Kid to Alley Oop to Peanuts to abstract stuff. Yeah, and, and so it does give kind of a history of understanding how comics work. But Matthew, certainly there has to be some books out there where you say. Yellow Kid is considered the first comic strip. This is how comics were first bound and collected. They were collected from the Sunday Funnies, and they were sold for 10 cents, and people didn't think they'd do it, and suddenly they took off. There's got to be books out there like that, and probably a lot of them, right? Absolutely. I have shelves full of the stuff. The one that, that popped into my mind immediately when I read the query was um, Jacobs and Jones. I think it's Will Jacobs and R.A. Jones, or perhaps Gerard Jones. I always get those two confused. They did a book called The Comic Book Heroes. The last printing that I saw was from like 96 or so, Uh but it not only goes into the history of comics, it goes into the history of the personalities behind it. Oh, cool. Mm. So and I mean, it, it talks about like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and all these. Right, and it talks about you know uh, working for you know the Jerry Iger, Will Eisner Studios, or some of the experiences, and a lot of it is anecdotal, which means that some of it's a little controversial, some of it may be you know subjective, mm-hmm. but it's a really interesting look behind the scenes at you know some people who we think of like Jack Kirby as just this you know he's this creative dynamo, but he's also a man. Yeah. Right. And you have to look at that. I also like, I have uh, the classic era of American comics right next to that. One that I really love that's both a history and um, a little bit of a tome on the heroes themselves. I doubt that it's in print anymore, but Jeff Rovin's Encyclopedia of Superheroes is probably one of the first books that I paid real money for. Why, why I, is this a, a good history? Isn't that just a who's who of the whatever universes? He, more more than just a who's who, because Jeff Rovin, I don't know if you know this, was uh, the editor-in-chief of Atlas Comics during the 70s, oh, okay. and cool. Atlas was the company that ripped off Marvel. He's putting in information in the background, things like, for instance, at one point he's talking about, he makes a reference to his experience with editing this particular character and how the story was torn apart. And when they're looking at, say, the spirit, there's information there, not just on the spirit and his adventures, but the Iger Studios. There's information on Will Eisner, how it was put together. Wow. I mean, cool. I also might recommend, um, and these are a little more esoteric. If you ever go to a comic store, you might see boxes of uh, Bob Overstreet's Guide to Comics. Uh-huh. And you think, well, I only need the new one. But if you go back and look, there are just every year there are four or five, you know, really good articles um, some of them are by you know people you've never heard of and will never hear from again about the history of comics, the history of particular studios, particular superhero concepts, and how they go through. Um, I know I had one from like '95 where they interviewed, I think CC Beck about Captain Marvel, and oh, they cool. interviewed Joe Simon about Captain America. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to be found there, and they're 
once they're out of date, they're pretty much dirt cheap. You can get like an old Overstreet Guide for five dollars if you know where to, sh- or to shop. And probably I'm so, sure eBay would have a lot of these titles. Uh, well, I don't want to necessarily uh, say any particular site, but online auction sites are a good place. <laughs> check, check, check your local comic store first, because you know we need the money and stuff. Well, Sean, Matthew's given you a list of some really great ones. I think I would agree with Rodrigo on understanding comics. If you haven't read that, if you want to find <laughs> out a really cool history about a certain collection, uh, do a search on the Majorspoilers.com website for Mile High Comics, mm-hmm. because I've got a link on there uh, to uh, the person who founded or found the Mile High Comic Collection and his experience in discovering literally a bedroom full and then a closet full of prime condition Golden Age comics and how he went yeah. about buying them for a dollar a pound and filled up, I think, three van loads or more uh, to yeah. get this collection into his house. It's like the holy grail of comics. It is, it is. All right, everybody, more news, more comments. Uh, everything can be found up at Majorspoilers.com. That is the website. The forums are there uh, with some chitty-chatty and some really good stuff from Rodrigo this past week, so check that out as well. Plenty of reviews. And, oh, hey, spe- speaking of reviews, why don't we get to some reviews? Reviews! Rodrigo, you've been mighty quiet sitting over there doing your little drawings. I have. I'm tired. <laughs> it has been a long day for everybody here. <laughs> Rodrigo, talk to us about uh, what you reviewed this All right. week. I reviewed Dragon Prince number three. I think Matthew reviewed Dragon Prince number one. Number one a couple and, uh, months ago. Yeah. And I did not, you know, pff, I, I guess I didn't know it was my turn to review Dragon, <laughs> Dragon Prince, Prince number, number two. two. <laughs> so we've got a skip issue there. Yeah. Way to pick up the slack there, Lunchbox. Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Dragon Prince number three. Um... I liked it. It was good. You know, the... <laughs> the end. The end. Um, you know, I'm just and dropping into this. that's how Rodrigo spent his Thanksgiving vacation. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you know, the I, I hadn't read the previous issues. Um, I'd seen previews for it and was largely turned off by uh, what I was seeing. I didn't like the design of the dragon kid. Uh-huh. He's um, half dragon, half human. Yeah, it looked... Uh, the 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 art in general, I was like, eh, you know, I could take it or leave it. It's not very impressive. But honestly, this, you know, I dropped right into issue three, and it, uh, you know, it, it it held my attention real well. I was pretty interested. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious as to what they're gonna do with it. You kind of get a uh, Empire Strikes Back moment, you know, kind of a Luke, I am your father thing, where it's more like, okay, that's your grandpa, and here, this is your mom, right? That's your uncle. Ralph over there, kind of thing. I think so too. Bob's your uncle. Yep. No, wait. I'm sorry. You're a monk. Cold. My bad. Oh, that would be. You're a dragon's uncle. In this case, this is written by Ron Mars, who also writes Witchblade right now. Have you uh, read some Witchblade? Does how does the writing compare? Uh, I haven't. I haven't read Witchblade lately. Although I've I've wanted to for a while. I'm kind of curious as to what what's happening with the dual Witchblade stuff nowadays. Um. So once I get into that, I'll let you know. So you would recommend this, yes or no? I and would. How many slices of, I guess, of leftover turkey are you going to give this one? I'd, I'd give it uh, a solid three. Three slices. Honestly, I was I was surprised. I, I thought you know I'm going to get into this and it's going to be kind of try. I mean, you know, Matthew didn't you know wasn't negative about about it, but I was like, yeah, this really doesn't seem like the kind of thing I'd be into. I just kind of picked it up on a whim. But, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Cool. All right. So three turkey slices for Dragon Prince number three. I think that is out 
this week or was it out last week? I think it might have been I out, think last it was out last week. Last okay. week because last week. I saw it on the stands at work this okay. week. Okay. All right, cool. Matthew Hi there. Sadly, Badly. Nightwing, Robin, Birds of Prey, Blue Beetle, all getting canceled. Is that mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing? Uh, well, it kind of depends on your point of view. I got to say, there's one issue that came out this week that makes me think that it's not. Okay. <laughs> With no disrespect meant to the creators intended, Birds of Prey number 124 came out this week. Yes, I read it. Not. I am an enormous Birds of Prey fan, going back to the days where I think it was it Greg was Land trace, tracing porn. <laughs> Maybe it was Gary Frank tracing porn, I don't remember. But Birds of Prey has always been one of those series where I'm just like, that's one of my books. That's a book that I will always read. Right. Even, even when it got awful for a while there, there were some issues where I was just like... <laughs> but And then Gail uh, Simone stepped on and things got dun, 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 super, super great. Exactly. And then Gail stepped off the book to take on a project that she could not turn down, Wonder Woman. Right. And the book kind of bounced back and forth. It went from Tony Bedard to Sean McKeever back to Tony Bedard. And for the last six or eight issues, we've been dealing with kind of a new status quo where Oracle has moved her base of operations to Platinum Flats, which is in California. She's gotten completely away from Gotham. And she's dealing with this... More of a sort of a criminal coterie or a, a, an underground yeah, a syndicate of criminals of ne'er do wells, exactly. Um, called the Platinum Flats Silicon Syndicate, <laughs> and the Silicon Syndicate have uh, miraculously and somehow beyond you know all belief in terms of coincidence brought in a new member, the Joker. Yeah, now, that was uh, that's been three issues ago, right? Two or three issues right. ago that he appeared. Let's take a moment to step back and say why this bothers me. A Gotham is apparently on the East Coast, right? So the Joker gets out of Arkham, runs across the country to California. Well, he got an invite, then hey, runs back to Gotham and participates in Batman VIP LIP. No, now see Matthew, you're getting it all confused and all messed up. You know, remember a, remember continuity doesn't matter. It remember does to me. that that this issue takes place as someone would say, this place this issue clearly takes place before RIP even began. Hello. But yes, I would agree you with you completely. What? If somewhere in this issue there were one of those little boxes that just said this issue takes place before the events of Batman R.I.P., Kablamicus, I'm set. Yeah. The problem is we leap right into the story where the calculator, if you recall, used to be one of the founding members of the Secret Society. Right. One of Lex Luthor's right hands. He's now basically some schmuck. Right. And uh, Barbara Gordon has tricked him into becoming the schmuck and kind of being her little pet monkey. And he betrays her, surprise, surprise, to the Silicon Syndicate uh, through the Kilgore. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's a percent sign. Yeah, the Kilgore. That's what I call it. I don't say Kilgore. I say Kilgore because percent signs don't have a sound. And you need that digitization of the audio. The Kilgore comes out and attacks them, of course. The Birds of Prey consist right now of Misfit, Lady Blackhawk, the Huntress, and some new chick who annoys me called uh, Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. Infinity. Has she been around before? I didn't know her before she appeared in this series. I am, I am unfamiliar with her, and okay. really honest, uh, her gimmick is that there's really nothing that unusual her. about her. Yeah. And, I mean, that works. I, I suppose it's okay as a gimmick, but... Yeah. 
nothing unusual about her means that there's nothing really interesting about her either. Yeah. And uh, the basically, there's a lot of the big fighty fighty. And um, the whole Birds of Prey team, and the issue is drawn by a gentleman named, let me see, Cloud St. Albin. Okay. Cloud St. Albin is not bad. I will give him this. He is not bad. He does a good fight scene. He does interesting facial expressions. The character models aren't exactly, you know, recognizable from panel to panel. Right. So you kind of have to go with the old school. This is the red-haired girl, and this is the dark-haired girl, and this is the blonde girl. But uh, in the middle of this fight, of course, (laughs) Oracle calls in the troops, calls in the the backups. Right. So Black Canary shows up, Manhunter shows up, Green Green Arrow Arrow shows up for the big fight against the Silicon Syndicate. But the whole point of the fight is not the battle with the Silicon Syndicate. It's the Joker has remembered where he recognized Oracle from last issue and come back apparently to kill her. Yeah, Barbara Because Gordon. he remember, remembers that she is uh, Jim Gordon's daughter. Right. And they, they have a fist fight. He tries to stab her. She stops him. He tries to shoot her. From she four feet ducks, away, mind, mind you. And she ducks a bullet. Yeah. She ducks a bullet. Now, I'm, I'm good with that. And... This is the thing. This is how she defeats the Joker. And here's another issue that I have with the issue. It's an, it's a cute scene. She smashes him in the face with an Eskrima stick. Right. Breaks all which his wrecks, teeth. Which wrecks his teeth. And the Joker freaks out about she ruined his smile and then essentially runes away. <laughs> oh, you ruined my smile. You ruined my smile. Right. The issue ends with the calculator taking the Joker's seat on the Silicon Syndicate. Okay, and the Birds of Prey are set up for kind of a new status quo. Black Canary seems to be back online. I'm not sure if... I'm not sure if next issue is the last issue or if the issue after uh, that... It's got to be the last issue after that. I think it's... I think everybody has two issues to go. I think it's February is the last issue for everybody. So 126 is probably the last issue. I did not care for this issue. I found... I've never found the Silicon Syndicate to be all that interesting because the characters that I identify that I know from the Silicon Syndicate are Gizmo from uh, the Fearsome Five. Fearsome Five fought the Teen Titans. The Fatal Five fought the Legion of Superheroes. And killed... And then a bunch of guys... Yes. Okay. Kilgore actually was a a Flash villain originally. Ah, Okay. Right after Wally West became the Flash, he fought the Kill War back in 1987. Um, they're the characters that we know. So, and I, I don't want to be mean again. You know, the, calling those guys D-listers would be a step up. Oh, the rest yeah. of the characters in the Silicon Syndicate are just nobody. relatively silicon, but yeah. I, I, I just. I, I didn't buy into the villains necessarily, and when Nicola Scott was still handling the pencils, yeah. I was still able to enjoy it as being, you know, a fun book because the characters were recognizable. Under a new penciler and a new writer, it's like reading a completely different book. And, you know, I, I'm not I'm not taking a shot at Tony Bedard because Tony Bedard is a good writer and he's written things that I like. I don't like his Oracle. I don't necessarily like his Birds of Prey. And part of that is the shadow of Gail Simone, because Gail wrote Oracle as a female character, a very strong right. female character. And when she had moments where you go, oh, right, this is a woman, it was intrinsic to the character. Whereas I feel like this is something where 
right now we're reading it from here's a character who's female and she does all this yeah yeah you know and it, it it doesn't the the babs gordon voice doesn't really sing to me and i, I again when it comes to art i'm i'm kind of a, a schmuck about certain people's art this issue was not bad art it was not consistent art and it was not great art overall if this is the birds of prey that we have I'm not terribly crushed that Birds of Prey is going away because another couple of months of this and I probably would have stopped reading anyway. Mm, that's sad. And, and I, I, I don't mean that it, to me being as horrible and judgmental as it is, but at $3 an issue, I want something, I want something that's either you know, it, and compelling as all heck or something that's too charming to put down. And this issue has moments of, you know... Moments that actually border on awesome, but overall, it's about a two slice of turkey affair for me. Okay, fair so, enough. I, you know, I would have given it a three. It's a good thing that you reviewed it because I almost reviewed it on the site the other day, and I thought, no, you no Matthew is probably going to review this, so I'm going to, I'm going to spare it. But I didn't think it was super great, but it was above average. I thought, especially with the Barbara Gordon getting yeah. her. You know, it's a comic book. If she dodges a bullet, eh, big deal. It's a comic book. What do you expect? Yeah. Right? She was trained by Batman. Exactly. I was trained by. I know a Scottish martial art. Nah, let's leave that out of the episode, please. (laughs) All right. So, guess who's coming back to Dark Horse Comics, or guess who came back to Dark Horse Comics? Gerard Uh, Way and Gabriel Ba and their whole their whole Umbrella Academy of uh, of characters, save for the monkey who's still dead. Hmm. Which I thought was great because inside the front cover they're kind of giving you a a wrap up of what happened in the previous Umbrella Academy, the violin a series, mm-hmm. and at the very end he says, "Oh, by the way, I'm still dead." Nice. So I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, but this issue is kicks off a what is it a six part Dallas series, and it does pick up right after the events of the violin. So you know she is or the white violin, she is still in a hospital crippled. Um, everybody's trying to get back together as a family. Space Boy, number one, who for the longest time in the in the first series was just trying to protect the Earth and save it, mm-hmm. feels like his job is done. So when the issue opens, he's just sitting around eating Oreo cookies and uh, commanding his uh, servants to go and get him things, and it's kind of a different departure <laughs> for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort this, of a Steven Schleicher moment. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Matthew, get me Oreos. Um, you know, the seance, uh, really a, a lot does not happen in this as we check in with each of the characters. The seance is doing his thing at a beauty parlor. Uh, the rumor is going to visit the white violin and rumor, in fact, because she can't speak anymore because she got a throat slit, I think, mm-hmm. or a vocal cord slit, goes and forces uh, the white violin to just watch all these horrors and atrocities going on around the world. Uh, who else is going on? The Kraken is doing his thing. Uh, there's a little pity party stuff going on. The issue really doesn't get started towards until the very end with time traveling number five, who's out at the racetracks, who gets assaulted by the, uh, what is it? The, uh, Temple Terrace, uh, I guess these group of, uh, assassins that come out of nowhere to try to blow him up. And of course he moves faster than the speed of light and kills everybody. And then there's something said at the very end, which I, I don't know, maybe it's going to make more sense in the next issue. But uh, one of the assassins is still alive and sends a message to headquarters to say, send Hazel and and Cha-Cha. And then number five just kind of looks and says, oh, my gosh, we're already dead. I don't know what that means. I mean, I I don't know if he's seeing a vision of something from the future or what. 
Uh, but so far, this whole issue of Dallas uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, yeah. I say it doesn't make a lot of sense, but the very first part of the issue is a flashback to 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. 17 years, apparently, from now, you wouldn't expect uh, JFK to still be alive and in the White House. Right. And we do see JFK sitting there in the White House talking to, um, what's his name, uh, Professor do-do-do, whatever his name is. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Right. Hargreaves. Uh, so I'm wondering if at some point, since the name of this series is called Dallas, mm-hmm. if at some point traveling back in uh, time to either prevent or to do the uh, assassination doesn't play a part into this series. It might have. Then again, mm-hmm. you might find out at the end of, the, of, of, of this arc that it was all a dream. It could be that, too. It could be Maybe communism was just a red herring. Maybe so. Um, You know, it's by the same people. Mm -hmm. I really, you know, I like the first Umbrella Academy when we we reviewed the trade. Uh, I like this enough to give it a four slices of turkey out of five. I really like it, but it's, as a standalone issue, there's a lot of, Mm -hmm. okay, this is almost like an epilogue to... Yeah. What happened before. So it's not really doing anything for me there. I have a feeling that once all of the issues are collected, it's going to be an awesome story mm-hmm. when you sit down and read it in one go. But for a single issue, it, it, it's there as far as good art, good, you know, good story for the most part. Uh, but it just kind of seems lacking. It is a very first chapter with a lot of unanswered questions. But mm. four slices of, of turkey, I think, is, is, mm-hmm. is a good, good oh, solution yeah. there. Something that, that always strikes me when people talk about JFK that I think they're forgetting. What's that? 1963 was 45 years ago. JFK was born the same year as my grandmother, who just turned 92. Yeah. So even 17 years ago, JFK would be well over 75 years old. Well, he can still if be in the series office. set it to present tense. Right. Well, I'm not saying that, but 75 years, you know. Yeah. 75 years old when you were high when you were elected at 36 does that not mean that he spent like eight terms in office well maybe that's what's going to be uncovered in the in the story that's what's that's the most <laughs> fascinating part of this yeah. and the fact that the front cover doesn't even say Dallas it says God save the president is the is what's on the cover and of course uh, the young uh, umbrella Academy fights a uh, <laughs> I guess a Kirby-esque uh, Abe Lincoln statue come to life, very much like they did in the first series. (laughs) Where they fought the the Eiffel Eiffel Tower. Tower. (laughs) Yeah. And the fact they even referenced that, they're going, we're fighting another monument? Yeah. You know, and so it it does have some very good moments in there, some more dysfunctional family moments, which I I thought were nice. And it does, again, pick up kind of where the last issue or the last series left off, and we see what's become of everybody. I'd like to find out what happened to the members that are dead by the beginning of the first one. Like the horror, I think is what it was yeah, called. Like yeah. the guy that sprouts out the tentacles. Yeah. What happened to him? Maybe mm-hmm. we'll find out. I'm hoping we will. I'm going to bet that number five and time traveling are going to be involved in mm-hmm. the story. So I think he got out. close to a red lobster and became an appetizer. Yeah. There you go. That came out last week from a Dark Horse Comics. Hey, you know what that means. What is that, Matthew? When we're done with the reviews, it's time for the major spoilers poll of the week. Week, week, week. <sighs> Week. So, in this week, week in the spirit, of- <laughs> are you done? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the spirit of uh, of the holidays, we've decided to be negative and crass. 
<laughs> and uh, we're going to look at a couple of concepts whose time may have finally come and gone. We, yes. We, we want to know what you, the major spoilers fans, the faithful spoilerites, the hoi polloi, the, the men and women in the trenches, those of you who walk the streets every day. Quick, I need to battle him and the Republic in the background. Bum, bum, do whatever it is you do, and you do it well. We salute you, Mr. Toilet Paper Refiller. Oh, Mr. Toilet Paper. Which is the most played out? Which concept has worn out its welcome the most? A. The vampire. B. The werewolf. His hair was perfect. (laughs) Or C. The zombies. Brains. Send more cops. Two dollars for anybody who can tell me what that's a reference to. It's uh, not real money. It's Luther dollars. I don't know. You no, got me. Not you. Oh, okay. That's another one of our major spoilers made up. Okay, no. no say the quote again. I got a prize that we can give away. You have a prize? I have a prize right. that we can give away. Ask the question Ladle. again. This is a quote Ladles from and a jelly movie. spoons. I want you to know this is a first for major spoilers. This is an on-the-spot contest. Steven has a prize for the first faithful spoilerite who can tell us the source of this particular quote. Send more cops. All you have to do is send your answer, your address, your mailing address to podcast at majorspoilers.com. First correct answer will uh, get a prize. My guess is it's probably going to be an action figure from the Overflow collection or perhaps a Gundam model that I'm trying to get rid of. If you're really lucky, Steven and Rodrigo and I may actually autograph it. Ooh, Ooh, that might be a little difficult. So Matthew will have (laughs) to tell me after the show or email me the correct answer so I know what it is. All right, Rodrigo. Meanwhile, back at the show. Meanwhile, Rodrigo, which is most played out? Well, I'm going to say zombies right now, but mostly because zombies is what is hot right now. So that's what's getting old. You know, the, for a while, vampires, like, you, you, during the 80s, you right. know, it's, it was like Everybody's werewolf very, palooza. Right. You know, you had like 15 howlings. Some of them were marsupials. <laughs> you know, an American werewolf in London, which is a, a fantastic movie. Right. Um, and just, you know, all kinds of takes on the werewolf. You know, by the time uh, what Wolf came out right. with Jack Nicholson, that was kind of a, a slight return to the werewolf, and they had to play it low. Right. You know, like, it wasn't like a big special effects extravaganza. Um, I think vampires were probably even previous to that, and they keep, you know, surfacing yeah, back Everybody and comes back. I mean, vampires right now are really hot with Twilight yeah, now and the True Blood out. and Angel and the Buffy and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right now... I feel that, especially in comics and kind of our nebulous area of pop culture, we're saturated with zombies. Yeah. I, you know, as much as I love zombies, and uh, Rodrigo and I talk about this in one of the after shows that you'll hear, who knows, next summer, whenever I get around to releasing that one. Uh, I still have a love for zombies because I talk about my trademark, copyright, 2004, Steven Schleicher, (laughs) zombie, uh, kung fu zombie western that has zombies in it. So I still like the zombies, but I could care less if I see another zombie movie, another zombie comic book, or another television show that features zombies. Matthew. I actually am leaning another way for a couple of reasons. I I read a really good issue of uh, The Walking Dead this week. 
And I feel like zombies are kind of a, a recurring motif for whenever things are going downhill. They are. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, when when the world is going to crap, that's when the zombies show up. Yes, they because do. the zombies are basically not our fear of the unknown, but the fear of the known. We know we're going to die. Right. It's you know it's looking at the fear of these people is us. Who am us anyway? So, the to me, I am more tired, and uh, you may want to you may want to bleep. Yeah, have you got the bleep button? Uh, no, but go ahead. We got the explicit tag. <laughs> Do we? Have we already got it? Yeah. I don't want to give it to us if we haven't already got. No, it. No, we've already gotten it. Okay, great. Here's what I want to say. I want to say, all the gothic vampires with their little yeah. blood is sex and life. Fuck them right in the ear. I am so tired of the whole sexy vampire motif. The whole Anita Blake, Jean Claude, Angel. Twilight. I just want to kill Suki. them all. Suki. And the vampires have really worn out their welcome for me because people use the vampires as a metaphor for desire or for sex or for whatever. And I'm just like, it's 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 not a metaphor necessarily. And if you're saying the same thing that somebody else said three months ago in an you know in an Anita Blake novel or five years ago in a Joss Whedon TV show or God help you 20 years ago 30 years ago in, in Dark Shadows in an Eddie Murphy movie <laughs> you're it kind of itches a little don't you know don't give me the same thing with a new hat on and 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 tell me it's something new like Twilight to me is a a, a rehash of thousands of clichés that I've been watching all my life I mean it's Barnabas Collins uh, with with an emo tattoo and a my chemical romance t-shirt right you know and it it doesn't do anything for me so for me the vampires f them get them out of here I'm done all right life's a glitch dust them Life's a Glitch said, uh, zombies are inherently a geek thing, and many of the great writers, directors, and so on are all geeks, so when the suits notice that the undead is a source of money, the clever creators get almost complete freedom to experiment. Zombies are in their groove and should stay there. If you're, hired, uh, if you're tired of them, just don't buy zombie comics, games, or merchandise. Vamps, on the other hand, need to go away and have a new resurgence because this one is going in the wrong direction. Uh, Hermit Power. says... <laughs> Hermit says, there's no none of the above. I don't hate any genre, but there's an overflow of each of these, and I get tired of it. But give me a good z- vampire zombie werewolf, and I'll buy it, uh, like Bike Club or Walking Dead. And Jason B. says, there's no doubt that Walking Dead is one of the best comics out right now, but there's a whole lot of other zombies, I'm looking at you, Marvel, that have worn out their welcome and caused the whole genre to seem a bit overplayed. Up on the uh, Majorspoilers.com website, where you can go and vote your own uh, views. What do we got? 189 votes cast. 58% wow. of them say vampires have, or I'm sorry, zombies have overstayed their welcome. Hmm. Joiners, <laughs> get, listen, vampire <laughs> hatred is the wave of the future, well, okay? I, get yourself yes. a stake. Telling yes, I'm sure vampire hatred is the wave of the future, but z- zombies are right now. Yeah, zombies, zombies are right now, and zombies are hot right now, which is why there's you know this very recent backlash against them. Oh, there is a lot. There are a lot of comments now. Notice that uh, life's a glitch. Jason B and Hermit all didn't say love the podcast, guys. So yeah. they might want to step up next time <laughs> if they want to have any of their. Comments <laughs> they did get their read. comic read. We're not training them properly. Yeah, yeah, that, that must be it. We're not uh, we get plenty of love from it, those guys. It yeah. should be noted that I, I know Jason B and. I, 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 I would never make idle threats, but I know where his pull list is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, hey look, the- there's even a uh, a comment. Uh, I'm not going to read it on the show, but uh, Tom Grice, who has not appeared on the uh, on the website in quite some time, so welcome back. Is there, he Tom. still wrong, sir? I don't know. Wrong. You'll have to read his comment and see if he is uh, if he's wrong. Oh, he has to be. It's it. Uh, the universe <laughs> will fall apart. It'll be like red skies, burning seas, dogs and cats living together. Total chaos. It'll be Ghostbusters. Yeah, we're not giving away something for that one. That one's too easy. Yeah, only for that other one. So we do have a contest this week. I got a lot of crap that I need to get rid of. Listen, a couple of, I don't know, it's been almost a month, month and a half now. IDW sent out this press release about Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel uh, Rodriguez uh, that uh, is being collected in this hardbound edition. And I contacted him and said, hey, you know, we might want to review this on the show. And so they sent us out a a, a collect uh, hardbound. I read it, gave it to Math or to uh, Rodrigo. He read it. Matthews read a couple of issues of it, and so we thought that for our trade paperback review of the week, we would review Lock and Key: Welcome to Lovecraft from IDW Publishing by uh, Joe Hill and Gabriel uh, Rodriguez, uh, acclaimed suspense novelist and New York Times best-selling author Joe Hill creates an all-new story of dark fantasy and wonder. Lock and Key, written by Hill and featuring astounding artwork. By Gabriel Rodriguez, Locking Key tells of Key House, an unlikely New England mansion with fantastic doors that transform all who dare to walk through them and home to a hate-filled and relentless creature that will not rest until it forces open the most terrible door of them all. As any good story starts out, this one starts out with, you know what, when you look at the art, and I'm just going to start with the art on this story first. Mm-hmm. The art is fantastic. I know. I love the art. It's so, at, on the one hand, it's so innocent looking, especially with kind of the big eyes vibe that they got going on with some of the younger characters. So it's very innocent looking. It's very detailed. But at the same time, the horrors that uh, Rodriguez is asked to uh, draw out uh, just create a weird clash that kind of give you a weird feeling what were you gonna say on the art matthew i i really like the art and it's it's kind of what you said there's that that dichotomy where you're looking at and it's like oh this is cool he's drawing realistic you know children and he's drawing characters who look like you know a real family and then all of a sudden (laughs) murder the family is the family rodrigo you want to talk about the uh the art at all i really like it all right, there's Rodrigo. He's tired. He's had a long day at the... <laughs> the laving away at the PBS switcher. Uh, starts out family vacation up in wherever. Uh, the kids are all out doing their thing. The parents are fixing up the cabin. Uh, they walk in, and mom and dad are pretty much murdered. Yep. Axes and gunshots. Yep. And there's a lot of flashbacks that tell us what happened, but essentially the oldest, uh, the oldest son tells... And his name is uh, Tyler. Uh, tells the two younger kids, uh, Kins, what is her name? Kinsley, Kinsey, and Bodie to and go Bodie. run and hide. And he takes down Sam and his friend. They got into their head because their dad is a, a school guidance counselor. Mm-hmm. And you know he made the offhanded comment that uh, you know that oh your dad's really cool. And and Tyler said no, I wish my dad were dead. And the guy got it into his head that he should go stalk them and kill the mom and dad so that Sam and Tyler had something more in common. And when we flash forward to, I don't know how many months later, uh, the mother, what's her name? Nina. Nina and the kids have traveled to 
what is it, New England? Yeah. Doesn't uh, Massachusetts. Say, yeah, Massachusetts. Mm. Lovecraft. Yeah, to go live in this this house that's called uh, Keystone, which I don't, I never understood why it was called Welcome to Lovecraft. Well, because Lovecraft's the name of the town specifically. Oh, that's right, that's right. Uh, Way to read closely there, Steve. I know, I know. I'm missing out on some of the minor details. Uh, but they go into this fantastic-looking house that is very Victorian-era, uh, called the Key House. We really don't understand why it's called the Key House until uh, Bodie. Is that what you is that what you call him, Bodie or Bode? Yeah, Bodie. Okay, Bodie. He discovers this little black key as he's journeying, and they're living with the uh, uh, the brother-in-law or the brother of the uh, of the dead father of Randall. And he discovers this key, and he starts finding out, trying to figure out, okay, where does this key fit? And interestingly, the key has a little black skull on it, and he finds a door that's black with a little skull on it. He unlocks the door, and he walks through, and he dies. <gasps> well, he doesn't really die. He turns into a ghost, and he's able to travel around uh, the grounds, and when he's ready to come back to life, he just goes back into his body. And he figures out that if he thinks hard enough, he can go and visit uh, his brother and his sister and his mom. He can even kind of travel back to moments that they were thinking about at a particular time. And so we get more flashbacks to this really horrific murder that has warped the family's mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to life, and nobody in the house will believe him. They all think that uh, he's goofing or he's having some kind of a weird trauma reaction to having his uh, his his uh, dad killed. Mm-hmm. Which is a really natural response, I mean. Yeah. The one place that he's told not to go to is the well house. And when he's going to the well house, he hears voices or something coming from the well. Yes. And so in his ghost form, he travels down and he finds this woman down at the bottom of the well. And she's telling him, hey, you know, we could be friends. And they start having conversations and it gets really weird. You know, something's not quite right Mm -hmm. with this woman in the well. I kind of I I keep getting flashbacks to that movie, uh, The uh, Ring. The Ring. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a similar. Ever trust a crazy one at the bottom of a well? Yep. And she's wanting Bodhi to go and find this other key to so that she can be free to somehow help her out of the well. And of course, there's other you know side stories going on. There's the older brother uh, who's having issues with. He's the reason why his dad got killed and having to live up to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kinsey is trying to adjust to a new location and trying to not stand out and want to just fit in. And so she's dealing with with things on her own. Uh, But the guy, the kid that killed the father, oh, he's not out of the picture. No. Mm. Even though Tyler, the older brother, beat the crap out of Sam so much that he had to get stitches all over his face. Kids put in juvie. Uh, or prison. Uh, I don't know if it's juvie or is it real prison? Uh, I think it's juvie. Yeah. It's called San Lobo. San Lobo. Rodrigo, please go off on that for a few moments. Well, (laughs) it means Saint Wolf, which is the same, kind of the same issue that I had with uh, Corrective Measures, where it's said in San Tiburon, (laughs) which is Saint Saint Shark. Shark. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what are you going to do? It's apparently a, a, a common motif nowadays. So what could we what could we call our prison our make believe prison? Um, what's what's the Spanish word for walrus? San Morsa. San Morsa. There we go. That's the name of our Morse. fictional prison in Major Spoilers Land. Right. Wait 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 wait. What 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 is platypus? <laughs> Ornitorrinco. Oh my! I can't even say that. There you go. <laughs> San Orbitorrinco. 
How do you say cur- how do you say curse you Perry the platypus? Uh, Maldito seas Perry el ornitorrinco. Oh. I think we really should just do a whole podcast with nothing but Rodrigo. Say this. <laughs> how do you how do you say burrito? Um, bur- burrito. Oh gosh, darn it! Say el donkey. Sam gets this. Uh, <laughs> Sam is talking to somebody in his toilet. Yes. And we really don't... That happens to me all the time. (laughs) No, those are called echoes. (laughs) Um, But he's hearing these voices, and when the woman in the well asks Bodhi to get her a pair of scissors and a mirror, it seems a little odd for somebody that's trapped a ghost or some kind of spirit in the bottom of the well to ask for it. But she she does, and then we cut to uh, San Lobo with, uh, with Sam and these... Bits float up from the toilet or from the sink, I guess, is what yeah, it more looks like. I, I like the toilet better. It fits yeah, the That would be funnier. But uh, the scissors and the mirror come into play, and he murders the guards and escapes from prison. Holy crap. It is pretty nice violent. That's, that's the thing that, you know, here you have all these nice little beautiful things, all these beautiful pictures going on, and then all of a sudden... Scissors to the neck of the guard. Oh yeah. See, and that's that. Uh, that is something that you look at, and I'm sure he hates having this comparison made. And I've said this before. I am sorry, Mister Hill, if you're out there, but this is something where he's taken the lesson of his old man really to heart. In that horror is most horrible where it's where you're comfortable, where mm-hmm. you recognize it. Right. And you have this family, and they're having a life, and they're trying to put it back together so that when the moments come, when the bloodbath comes at the house, or when he's escaping, or later on in the book when he actually tracks them down, that horror is so much more terrible because of, you look at it and you realize, you know, the realism of the art and the characters and the family dynamic makes these unthinkable things that much more terrible when they actually happen. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, the family has traveled from California to Massachusetts. Right. So they are clear across country, but Sam begins a trek, and again, another kind of shocking thing that is almost, you know, flip-flops what uh, Rodriguez is doing with the art is he shows Sam in with a truck driver, Hmm. giving him a blowjob, uh, as part of his payment, and then killing the guy to get his truck so he can further pursue the family across the uh, the country. There's another shocking moment where, and I forget who it is, I think it's Bodie, is having this dream of his father, and he's in the morgue, and the body bag unzips, and there's his father with the hole through his eyeball. Mm-hmm. And it just freaks the kid out and wakes him up. I mean, it's... Uh, there are some horrific... Moments, and I guess it some comes from me that's a little squeamish sometimes thinking about some of this stuff. Um, yeah, you are kind of a pussy. Yeah, I know, but what do you, what do you expect? Um, my name is a Matthew. Um, Hello, I'm Stephen, and I'm a big woosie. <laughs> <laughs> so as the story progresses, Bodie learns that there are other rings scattered throughout the house. Other keys. Other keys, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Other keys scattered throughout the house that do different things. Uh, he's told that there's one that can change you from a boy to a girl. There's the all key. There is uh, a key that can uh, take you anywhere. Take you anywhere, kind of stuff. And that that's where it started to remind me of a different series. I don't know if you've ever read um, the books of swords. No. 
where there there's a bunch of swords with different abilities and it's re- mm-hmm. it was really kind of interesting to me to see that that kind of technique taken almost a, a, a fantasy technique taken into what has been sort of a a, a, a horror or a suspense type, you know, Friday the 13th story, and it takes that fantasy element and it makes that big right turn where all of a sudden you you don't know what you're getting. It's yeah, really right. awesome. Right. I don't I don't often get to the middle of a story and then go, "Wait, wh- oh man, I have no idea where this is going. I got to read it. I got to keep reading." Yeah. But they did that to me when we got to the point where, you know, the creepy thing is in the well, and I really like that. Well, and then the creepy thing in the well gets you know, she tells Bodie that she can't leave the well house uh, or else something will happen. She'll disappear. She'll cease to be. She's called Echo is is what she is. And she tells Bodie at the moment when Sam gets to the house and starts, you know, killing the cops that are guarding the front of the house and Cop killer. terrorizing Cop killer. everybody. She tells Bodie, hey, if you can find me this one magical ring that or key, I'm sorry, that will take you anywhere. I keep thinking of Lord of the Rings for some reason. Uh, and also probably because the, the, the master key is the bracelet on his sister's arm yeah. that the dad gave you. Uh, she's able to use the key in the closet door of the well house to go anywhere, which takes her to another room in the house where she... What does she do? Uh, she transforms she, into yeah, she a transforms dude. into a dude, which... I had to go back and reread that section mm. like twice because I that didn't was difficult. Catch, I didn't catch the ring symbol, you know, the switch. Mm-hmm. So when she passed through that door, I didn't get that she went from a man to a woman, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of weird." I looked at that ring and I'm like, "What has the artist formerly known as Prince got to do with <laughs> yeah. anything?" And then, uh, and then, she, and then the he she he uh, finally comes it- upon Sam and gives him his just reward by throwing him out the ghost door and then slamming the door so he can't get back in. Right. And so he's essentially trapped in the spirit world. But it doesn't end there, of course. Of course not. It has one of the creepiest cliffhangers I've read in a while, too. Which is? Which is Echo as a, as now a male moving into and, and showing up and he's like hi i'm the new kid in town and i'm like no don't trust it yeah but there's this and implication. Boone doesn't trust him or boonie Bodie. 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 but there's this implication that the person that echo went to go visit that did he kill her no she is the the um oh, the yeah, track coach really, yeah and if you go back to that uh page with the yearbook yeah, you yearbook. actually i mean that's his name is Lucas Caravaggio. That's ah, the name okay. of that character. Okay. He was in The Tempest with the coach and their dad. And their father. So they probably all know about the, the keys. Yeah, they, they were probably involved in some sort of crazy Scooby-Doo type adventure that went horribly wrong back in the day. And you can tell that there is going to be no end to these adventures with all the yeah. keys that could do different things. Mm-hmm. And Bodhi yeah. keeps, and even in the final pages, he finds a, a uh, another key. Yep. To begin another adventure anew. My only problem with this series, and I know I've talked a lot, so I'll shut up here in a minute. (laughs) No, I won't. Uh, My only problem with this series is the minute that he opened the door and stepped through and became a ghost, the first thing that popped into my mind was William Catt, the greatest American hero. And Rodrigo, you're probably too young. Matthew, I'm pretty sure that you have probably seen this 
this movie. I have seen House. I have. House. House. It's William Cat inherits a house, and the first movie is the is the best one. Uh, he inherits this house, and he discovers that certain times, with the help of this crystal skull, different doors in the house take him to different worlds. Mm-hmm. So there's a world where he goes to, and it's the Old West. There's a world he goes to, and it's a dinosaur land. There's a world he goes to, well, Cliff Clavin shows up, and his fireplace is a gateway to an old Aztec temple where mm-hmm. they rescue a girl so everything in this house takes them somewhere else and of course there's a a, a, a horror aspect of it too where mm-hmm. there's a spirit trying to you know kill everybody but that's the first thing that i thought of when i read this book did you get that same vibe matthew i that was one of the references that i felt and one of the things ah! oh, Matthew superman back in 90 days <laughs> I love that joke. That's like the best joke ever. Anyway, um, <laughs> you have to look at the the age of Joe Hill, who I think is closer to Rodrigo's age than ours. Really? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think Joe Hill is only like 25 or 26. Oh, uh, what am I doing in... with my life? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was born in 72, so I guess wow. he's 36. So he's more close to our age. Yeah, 36 years old right now, so I got nothing. He may have seen the movie House growing up, but there was definitely an element of that. And like I said, there were elements of, there's a little bit of different things going on here. I mean, there are are overtones of, and I've mentioned his father before, Joe Hill's father is Stephen King. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why he goes under the name Joe Hill, is if you ever see him, he looks like a scale model of Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, looking at his picture now, yeah, you're right. He does kind of look, now that you tell me who his father is, yes, okay. So, I mean, Joe does not, he doesn't write the same stories that his dad does. And I'm sure he's tired of hearing it, but there are definitely, you can tell that he learned the lesson that Stephen King tells. And there are elements of, like I said, the Book of Swords, and elements of different types of stories. The whole family motif kind of reminded me a little bit of land of the lost for some reason mm-hmm. i don't know why and i just kept expecting you know to ah, it's a skeleton ah, run away you know but and then a scale model of a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> the uh, little ape man things yeah the furry what was, pet what was his name anyway, chaka chaka yeah anyway but in, in any case i i, I really i i liked uh, the, the thing that, that that really struck me was I liked the way the elements didn't feel like we were ripping anything off. I felt like it was more of there were definite elements and there were definite influences. You could see the influence, yeah, but the influence in the northeast. But the influence yeah. didn't tell you where the book was going to go. Exactly, it didn't go where a Stephen King novel would have gone, and it didn't go where the movie House went. Right. It, it went someplace that was kind of a melange of, of the influences and went someplace that, while, you know, there's no such thing as a new idea, was at least an interesting take and an interesting, you know, uh, amalgamation of ideas. I really liked, I liked the fact that the main point of view, for me, was Bodhi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bodhi was kind of, he was, he was the, the, eye, the eye-level character. So it had, a, a, you know, the view of a 10 or 11-year-old kid. And it felt like the view of a 10 or 11-year-old kid, as best yep. I remember, 30 years later. So I, I liked that. I really liked the way the art, like we had said, I liked the way the art set off both 
you know, the silly little family moments and like, oh, look, we're, we live in Massachusetts. Right. And mom's been hit with an axe. You know, yeah. it, it, it did the horror and it did the mundane and it put them together beautifully. So. And really, and really, that's that's the like you were saying, Matthew. That that's really the basis of horror. This this is a horror book. In in a, you know, we we talked about vampires, werewolves, and zombies. Right. Right now, you'd be hard pressed to find anything that was written in the last ten years that is actually that involves vampires. That is actually horror. Right. It's it's just some kind of sexy suspense. Right. It's basically about as far as vampires get. This is you know this is human suspense this is actual horror from a serial killer and there's the he incorporates a fantastic aspect to this whole thing in a in a very seamless way i mean you just kind of go from you know murder out in the boondocks and then you start finding out all this uh, all these supernatural causes for it uh-huh. and it feels right i mean there's no yeah. there's nothing about it when i'm like wait a minute ghosts now like right, it, right, everything just kind of flows together, right? Now that man, you, I, I try, and I think I've mentioned this before on either one of the reviews on the site or in the show or something. I try to avoid knowing as much about who wrote the book or who did the art for the book as mm-hmm. I can, so I can just enjoy it. You know, if you gave me a book and and I very rarely read who it's by when I first read it, if you gave me something by Grant Morrison and I loved it, and then you said, "Oh, Stephen, this is Grant Morrison," I'd go, oh, "Okay, good." Yeah. Uh, if you had now that you have told me that this is a Stephen King offspring book, <laughs> Matthew, now that I flip through it, things make sense. It takes yep. place in the Northeast. It has a certain pattern to it. It has a certain horror to it. Unlike his dad's books, this one does not end in one page. Yeah, you know the story is not wrapped up in a in a single paragraph. And the army came in and killed all the aliens. See, <laughs> this one actually has a natural progression and epilogue, which is a natural conclusion to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, so some of that I think now is now ruined for me. But hey, oh, a show hi. like Major Spoilers wouldn't be a, a show if we didn't ruin something for somebody. If we didn't rustle you something know what? for somebody. It is my job to be the guy who goes, and you know, it was also written by the man who played Mr. Hand on, uh, you know, West Side's Original High. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Uh, That's that is my job here. I'm the guy who goes, and also you're green. It, it, then that I have a lot more respect also for the book, even though now that I look at it and go, okay, that is a why you know they're in Maine. That's why they're in the Northeast yeah. and, because but, he grew up in that area. That's why this happens. That's why this happens. That and, makes sense. Right. Yeah, and and obviously you have to write what you know, right? And you know they, they probably. He probably lived there, but it doesn't. This didn't feel to me like a Stephen King. No, it didn't. Now that I know about it, but I, I, I can see the homage or the the. Influence. You can see the influence. Yeah. You can see an influence. And when he started writing, he started writing as Joe Hill specifically, so that people would not go. Well, I'm oh, glad it's just because like if, I, if it said J- Joe King on there, I would have said, "Okay, this is a Stephen King kind of thing," and I would have mm-hmm. gone in with that preconceived notion i'm glad he's writing under joe hill yeah i wonder why indigo bachman probably another people would have caught on that pretty uh because yeah bachman is pretty well known yeah i mean the the richard bachman thing broke open when i was in high school and i can tell you i think rodrigo was watching mighty morphin power rangers or something at the time Uh, not when we were in high school (laughs) when you were in high school rod 
<laughs> Rodrigo was probably staring into space and going, how bad did be? And peeing all over when we were in high school, sir. Right. Some other thoughts also on... Also when you were in college. Um, other thoughts on lock and key? Oh, I, I really liked it. I, I just thought, um, you know, every... Like, nothing felt forced. It's like a dark fairy tale set in, set in you know, today. And it just... It, everything just flows together real well. The art is great. The art is very distinctive. If they ever switch artists, yeah, it's gonna it it it'll probably jar me pretty hard out of the book right. because at this point I'm really strongly associating this character design right. with the book right. Um, so hopefully they'll stick to that, or they'll you know if they ever end up switching, they'll switch to an artist who will you know bring it bring a strong style that'll you know just just kind of assert itself quickly right matthew uh overall i thought it was a really really good debut story for a comic book writer when you when you look at somebody who knows how to write a novel you don't necessarily immediately think that they're going to be able to parse down to the comic book format i mean with a novel you have a, a different sort of narrative. Whereas when you're writing for comic books, you have to balance that. What am I going to show in the art? What am I going to tell? How am I going to put it together to where it breaks down and I have first, second, third act over six issues to where we don't have that third issue that feels like the third chapter that makes me so angry because it's mm -hmm. obvious you're writing for the trade. Right. There, I mean, there were some legitimate, and of course, I read individual issues. Uh-huh. So I don't I don't necessarily read trades. There were legitimate cliffhanger endings on the books that worked. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the end of the story, if you read it all together, it's still a coherent whole. And I really like that. I liked the way the characters interacted. And I felt like the whole thing, you know, it, it felt familiar. It felt interesting without being too obviously, hey, look at that. I, I, that's from that movie there. And that, that over yeah. there is from that. And right. So <clears throat> I love this book. I, I, I went, you know, IDW sent us a copy mm -hmm. for free. I went out and bought another copy, you know, just because I liked it so much, because I want Rodrigo to have his own copy. Yeah, I want yeah, me yeah, to have yeah. my own copy. Matthew has the single issue, so, you know, there you go. But, Matthew can go buy his own stuff if he <laughs> like well, That's it. what you get for living in Uncle Steven's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Steven buy me comic books. Oh, yeah. Uh, Uncle Steven I'm also sorry, gave, Steve. Uncle I live on the side <laughs> of the state that has civilization and trees. Uncle Steven also gave Rodrigo a major spoilers mouse pad. Major spoilers mouse pad. Do, 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 do. Did I tell Rodrigo what you gave me? <laughs> what did I give you? Uh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> No, not an STD, people listening yeah. at home. Get no, your minds out of the gutter. Uh, it ain't the herbs. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I want to see more lock and key stories. I really do. Mm -hmm. And I hope, I hope they do have more lock and key stories coming out and coming out soon. I probably, unfortunately, and IDW probably doesn't want to hear this, I probably, if a new series starts, won't buy the single issues. Mm -hmm. Because I thought that this read so much better. I mean, you could tell where the chapter points were. Yeah. But I thought this read excellent as a trade, and I would probably just stick with the trade for that. Now, if IDW wanted to take a risk and just write the trade <laughs> and release it. Are we going to get into this again? <laughs> I, well, they're charging 25 bucks for this hardcover. Yeah. My name's Steven, and I'm going to reinnovate the industry because I, I would buy expensive comics. No, because I'm behind, because really it's all digital comics. But 
See, and that's the thing. Ev- not everybody has what you have, which is no time, extra money, and an inability to actually do things on a weekly basis. I, well, you know, I, I have no time. I have no extra money because I've got a an eighteen year month old. But oh, I, please, I say go out if you have not picked up <clears throat> Lock and Key. Welcome to Lovecraft, the first volume by by Joe Hill. Rush out to your bookstore now and buy it. Mm-hmm. Rush out in a buying frenzy. This is a. Hey, the holidays are coming up. This is a five for five. This is a must-have book. If I if yeah. we were to go back and redo our top twenty-five or top twenty, top thirty favorite uh, trade trades, this is now one of them yeah. on that list. Okay, I would say, and I don't know. This these just recently came out in the six issues, right? Matthew, because you just finished reading the uh, or reviewing the sixth or the fifth issue not too long mm-hmm. ago. I think I did issue five in either early October, maybe late September. It wasn't too long ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to so see. So they just a, a turned date. right around and uh, put out the trade. Well, the uh, it says September 28th or September 2008 is the first printing of this volume, but it doesn't say. It says 2008 and 2007 is when uh, Joe Hill was at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and other places talking this up. I, this might be a top book for 2008. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, my review was September 24th. Five out of five must-have buy. Rodrigo? I'm on. I'll, I'll, I'll second that. Matthew? I'm on board with the five. This is good stuff, folks. Awesome. So there you have it. Lock and key. Welcome to Lovecraft trade paperback now uh we have a lot of requests for books and unfortunately we can't get to them all right when listeners expect them we've had some people say oh why don't you guys review this one on the show hey why don't you guys talk about this on the show hey why don't, have you guys thought about doing this for a poll on the show we do get all these requests in and i try to respond to everybody's email mm-hmm. uh, whenever i can uh but there was one that came in based on our uh one of our other shows that we had over the thanksgiving break where we were talking about continuity or something. I, I don't know if it was an all three of us show or it was a Matthew and, and me show. I think it was during the Batman thing where oh, okay. you know, it was, okay. it was the, the discussion of uh, Batmite versus... Uh, right, right. What What's in continuity and right. the whole Grant Morrison F continuity kind of thing. Right. So somebody wrote in and just said, and I'm not going to read the whole email, uh, but he essentially said, is continuity really important? Isn't it okay to tell stories that are just good stories and not tell them with everything else in the universe hinging on that story? And without trying to answer it in just a few moments here, next week on the Major Spoilers Podcast, issue 61, we're going to skip the trade paperback and we're going to focus in on this topic, just like we did a couple of weeks ago with the Battle of the Batman. We're going to talk about continuity. Does it play an important role? Does it not play an important role? Should we just tell good stories, or should we just say, throw it to the wind and let Batman die every issue? Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll be on next week's uh, Major Spoilers podcast. After that, uh, let's see. We are going to... Matthew, are you familiar with Order of the Stick? I'm familiar with Order of the Stick. Rodrigo is familiar with Order of the Stick. Yes. I am familiar with Order of the Stick. So we're going to talk about web comics, mm-hmm. and we're going to review Order of the Stick come December 16th. And then we're going to have a week off for the holidays. Man, holidays. November yeah. through January, just a messed up time. But we're going to have at least 10 episodes for you during the holiday break uh, that Rodrigo and I are recording right now. 
Mm. I hope they're going to be good. They could suck. <laughs> well, but lacking lacking as they do that one crucial element that makes the podcast awesome, which Roll is eyes here, yeah, which is me. <laughs> um, I'm going to say they they might be passable. I'll give you a. Hint. You know what you need to do? Go ahead. What What do we what? need to do? You know what you need to do? You need to have me open a little bridging sequence. All right. To where I can go, hey, how's it going? My name's Matthew. I'm not in this show, so feel free to fast forward. <laughs> and we should do like what we were going to do with Virtual Brian. Uh, just have you record a bunch of key <laughs> phrases and just go press them whenever we feel like them. My name is Steven. What? My name is Steven, and I like anime. <laughs> One of the things. Oh! <laughs> so we do have some stuff coming up, and hopefully... Hopefully, sometime soon, we can get to Scott Pilgrim that we've been promising for almost a year now. But yeah. someone, Brian, has absconded with our, our copies of Scott Pilgrim. So it, It's part of the Skrull Overlord's plan to take over. It I is. Guess. So that's kind of a peek of, of, of what's to come. But uh, until then, I really want to thank everybody for listening to the Major Spoilers podcast. You know, all the people that wrote to us this week, whose <laughs> feedback we read, said we love the show. We tell other people, please tell other people about the show we'd like for our audience to grow even bigger uh, we want to have a huge community of people make sure that you visit our website majorspoilers.com check out the forums lots of great discussions going on over there rodrigo is kind of keeping everyone in line and uh. and offering up some brilliant today's stuff that he posted on the forum simply brilliant discussions uh, that clarify some of our ramblings on, on the show uh, go check Rip that out the, <laughs> at the Major Spoilers forums. Uh, we really appreciate the positive comments people have been leaving up on iTunes, Podcast Alley, those kinds of things. If you have a question, a comment that says, we love your podcast, a uh, topic idea for a future show, all you have to do is drop us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, we are excited about being here. I feel refreshed after a break from last week. Rodrigo feels tired. Matthew feels what? <laughs> Um, mostly drunk. All right. <laughs> so He's Matthew drunk. hasn't changed. Yeah, Matthew hasn't changed in a week. Matt- right, so it's, it's, a, it's like my grandfather always used to say, if you're so smart, why ain't you rich? Oh, uh, we're going to work on that. Yes. We've got something cool. Major spoilers, mouse pads. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we do this show because we love comics, and we know that you do too, and we will talk to you next time. Rolk. <laughs> Yaris. Yeah, Blarney Cock. <laughs> Hi, guys. This is James Kennison from Nobody's Listening. And I, um, this is a very rough uh, beta of what I'm imagining for the uh, spoilers, the major spoilers theme song. Um, enjoy it. I'm still working on the lyrics just a little bit, especially the pacing of it. Uh, but I wanted to let you listen to it before I went and worked it all the way up. Peace out. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, it'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Away. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already.
already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, 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 yeah What a major spoiler